Welcome to Two Vets Chewing the Fat. Two Vets acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast is recorded on. Animal health has become overcomplicated. We want to help you navigate through the reams of misinformation and empower you to take charge of your animal's health to live happier, healthier and longer lives. Join Dr Ash and Dr Sina getting together and sharing decades of experience as veterinarians, answering your questions, debunking myths and unveiling the secret world of vet. All the while having a laugh, chewing the fat. And don't forget to always seek the advice of your pet's veterinarian as advice given here is of a general nature and does not replace a physical examination. Not forget about that time mm. because there were some really positive things that came out of it, but, you know, a lot of tension and stress and anxiety for some people as well. And I thought it'd be nice to chat with everyone and let everyone know what we kind of went through. Yes, I think people will find this a really interesting topic because obviously they've had their own experiences and I do get asked a lot about it, you know, by friends, family, people on the street, you know, how'd you guys do? And my overwhelming thoughts were um, on reflection is what an insane time in a positive way, but as scenes just touched on, there was, you know, a lot of stress and the initial thoughts were, oh, my goodness, on top of, you know, all the other um, day-to-day challenges of running a vet clinic and helping um, pets and, and team, we've now got to figure out, you know, how to keep um, the business alive and keep our team members employed and keep them safe and keep up with the regulations. I mean, gosh, where do we even begin? Yeah, I think like going right, right back to the beginning, I was having a look at what was happening overseas and seeing the the processes that were going on there and then looking at the information that was being directed to us from the Australian Veterinary Association and how us in particular would be impacted while still dealing with, okay, what is this going to mean for my family and Mm. our staff members and the pets that we see? So there was a lot of uncertainty and I think one of the things that we as a business did really well is we really jumped on the front foot and made sure the plans and discussions and our team knew where we were heading and what we were doing. And well, I think there were a lot of practices and a lot of businesses that really didn't go through the process of leading their team very well during that time. Yeah, I think they just sort of, either shut down both metaphorically and some actually shut their doors um, either out of fear of you know for health and and not knowing what to do but it's hard to live up to one's value of being there for animals and an advocate for animals and for those that love animals if your doors are shut yeah yeah and we didn't even know whether we were going to be considered essential workers no in the start so there was some lobbying by the uh, ABA that then then once we knew that was the case it was okay so if we can work how do we best look after Mm -hmm. our team what does that look like yeah and you know what how do we communicate that to our team uh we all had to have our certificates to travel Mm. beyond the 5k from from the practice 
and then we start to split the teams. We did. I mean, in reality, we didn't get any guidance. Apart from, yes, you're an essential worker, as an independent small business, we were left to our own devices um, to figure it out and I guess... uh, Having a business partner where you, there's two of you, you're not alone in the scenario, you can powwow ideas and we also powwowed ideas with our um, team as well and they gave us some really good insight as to what could work for them and, and the split teams was a good option for us as it turned out. Yeah, it was a great option and the reason that we went into split teams is because we knew that we had pets to look after and we didn't want to have any kind of contamination or exposure so if someone did get COVID the way that the team was running normally meant that over time the entire team would have had some exposure so we thought okay if half the team can work three days the other half team works three days in between we did a clean down of all surfaces then regardless of what was happening we would still be able to look after pets to some degree, those yes, really in some so. capacity, as a as a minimum, we'd be able to do the emergency cases, the the cases triaged for higher pain, and we would be able to fulfil our obligation. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think one of the things that happened that we probably didn't realise during that time is that splitting of the teams actually really bonded mm-hmm. those groups together. Um, I know your team had shared meals that you would take in. We did, yes. We had shared meals, which was great, which we loved. And we did have um, a fair few vegans and vegetarians and things. So we did, yeah, um, alternated big cook-ups. So one, um, the way it worked out, you'd do one a fortnight and, you know, it could be anything from a vegan chilli to, to wraps, but then at least we're all eating together um, and getting some sustenance because there could be like a, you know, a 12 to 13, 14 hour day, depending on, mm. um, you know, you finished when the work finished, essentially. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a few little drinky poos at the end of the day. Yes, as well. I, I would say the alcohol bill considerably increased <laughs> yeah. during COVID. Yeah. Um, after yeah. all the work was done. After the work was done, I think, <laughs> you know, it was nice to be able to sit down at the end of that three day shift and reflect with your team and it gave us a nice social outlet that a lot of people were really missing um and the good thing is in doing that we really were able to stay home stay open the entire time and we did have quite a few clinics around it that had around us that had to close down for Mm. periods of time they unfortunately yeah they they did and um so that did leave us with a bit of an overflow there as well (laughs) Um, hence the the long shifts but you know the team really in that hardship did rise together to get the job done and I know that you're equally as proud as I am of the team and and how we handled it and looking back you just like how did they all do it I know and um, from that hardship comes such thoughts of fondness yeah yeah absolutely in some ways, um, I think even for the clients, it, it mm. might have become a bit of a social yes. social outlet for yes. them too because 
we didn't have clients coming into the practice. Everyone was outside, mm. and which in summer was kind of nice. In winter, not so nice. No, and the tent situation, <laughs> look, we did our best, but Melbourne weather is not kind and baptism of fire for a lot of people. And, and we to just, their credit, yeah. they did very well. No complaints. We destroyed two annexes. Yes, two commercial-based annexes. annexes. got uh, blown over in the wind and, and destroyed. Oh, um, one day... mud. In the mud, in the middle of winter, I think my husband rocked up with our outdoor heater because it was going to be a freezing day. And as he backed the car up and pulled it out, I think there were cheers from, <laughs> from everyone that was sitting out there. They okay, this is looking good. It's looking better. Um, um, just to try and, you know, provide some degree of, of comfort for people waiting outside in the, in the middle of a Melbourne winter. Mm. So the message was out, okay, you're going to be outside, rug up. Mm. or wait in the car um yeah yeah it was funny and so I guess you know having the the policy of no uh, clients in the clinic obviously had its own um difficulties from the client's point of view as well obviously and our point of view I mean we love having the clients in the clinic you know you get more information um you create uh, deeper bonds um you can communicate more clearly and make sure that you're on the same page. So, yeah, it, it did make things quite a bit harder. But yes. it was also fun having the animal there, just you and the animal. It was like a one-on-one a -on -one with uh, Fluffy, so to speak. I know. It really did have, uh, they got even more attention because all of the attention in that moment was diverted to them, I found. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were on the floor yeah. with them, weren't we? Really? We sure were. on, on, on the floor with them. Hands and knees. Cuddles and treats. And some pets really loved it. They mm. loved that kind of freedom. They thought they were, out, you know, here for a day out. Some not so much because, you know, particularly those that are really bonded to their owners and, and that look to their owners for some support, it was a little bit tough and we certainly always made sure we tried to keep them as comfortable and, and happy as possible uh, but Thankfully, it, there weren't as many of those as I thought there would be, though. I will say um, I, I was surprised. I thought that a lot of them would need more um, more of their owners present. But, yeah, yeah there was, they were there, but they're not as many as some might think. Yeah, that's mm. right. But everything because of that took longer. Mm. You, know, you didn't yes. have the extra pair of hands to hold. Mm. There was initial handover. There was initial consultation and discussion with the owner. Mm. Then there was, you know, examination of the pet, going through everything. Then another phone call mm. to go through the, you know, discussion, the findings, the plan, um, and also making sure that the, the pet's owners really understood that plan because not everyone is auditory. No. Some people need to be showing things visually or some people need to, to feel and, and to understand. So uh, what would normally be a 15-minute consultation probably took 30 minutes and yes. what would be a 30-minute consultation could take an hour. Mm. And, I mean, something that a lot of us all do know, um, which is that communication is a lot about body language and uh, as much visual as it is auditory, well, that was completely highlighted um, a lot of mannerisms that you might do as a clinician to give a sense 
of um, support and understanding, you know, get lost over the phone and um, and some of their stresses and concerns can get lost their way over the phone. Yeah. So it did present a lot of unique challenges, which I suppose not limited to us in the veterinary world, but the human um, medicine world as well. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there were certainly some challenges. But, but I think, you know, again, very proud of the team and the way they overcame mm-hmm. most of those challenges. And it also helped us to focus more on communication mm-hmm. and the importance of it, you know, mm-hmm. between how we look at our patients and, and talk to our clients too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the the other thing that we, you know, one of, one of the extra bonuses, I don't know, is it a bonus, Ash, I'm not sure, is the extra help that we got. Now, your sister in particular was severely impacted by COVID. She was, yeah. I know where you're going with this and I'd say it was a bonus, Um so uh, my sister Casey, a lot of you um, that are in at the clinic will have seen her around and mistaken her for myself, given that she's my identical twin. Um, she is a pilot for Qantas and so was obviously not flying during that time, but um, she has been my unofficial vet nurse in the past and we needed extra help. So Case came on board with my team and um it was really helpful um to have the extra hand and the team really appreciated and from a personal point of view I enjoyed um having her around um and she's just very um, competent with clients and animals in general and just for extra support during difficult times so it was really nice that we had that moment and it was also nice to be able to help um her and, and keep her busy as well um, so I, I think it was a bonus, a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that we did as well as getting some extra hands from people who, who wanted to work as well that couldn't work um, was we started a telehealth yes. program as a, a platform just prior to COVID, coincidentally. And initially when we started doing the telehealth, Ash, you and I were doing all the consultations. Yes. But then we realised that it was wearing us out. Well, essentially, while half the team were doing three days and and having the four days off, Sandra and I were doing six days, so we did three days in the clinic with our team. Then we'd do another three on the telehealth and we could be doing eight hours of that as well. And, yeah, it got a bit nuts, didn't it? Yeah, I think the busiest one that I had was about a 10-hour shift doing telehealth. And I think at one stage we just said we need to limit this because we're yeah. going 12 hours in the clinic each and then and it just was not viable to, to keep going. But it was a really, really good insight into how much we could actually do and achieve mm. in, a, in a, that telehealth forum as well because a lot of people say, how do you examine a pet? How do mm. you get mm. the information that you need from from that kind of telehealth appointment but you can get a lot of information Mm. from a client Mm. Uh, you can direct some physical examination from the client and if you need more then we were certainly able to get those pets into the clinic Mm. if if it was deemed necessary yeah it's definitely a different skill set than the hands-on uh veterinary surgeon and um and you get your little 
tricks and um, tips to make sure that you can get the most out of it. And you found that when you did see those pets in clinic, that often it was rare that it was anything different to what you thought. Absolutely. Mm. You know, ear infections, we were able to get owners to do mm-hmm. their own, take their some swabs and bring some samples in. Mm. Uh, you know, these sometimes people would have COVID and mm. couldn't leave home or were in um uh, we're in isolation so you know you you we, it's amazing the things that we manage to be able to do to to help out uh, the pets yes. that we needed to see and i think the hard part was is that you didn't know how long it was going to go on for like it was meant to be as we all know you know just a few weeks <laughs> and it was another few weeks and then it was another few weeks and it changed all the time. And then we came out and yes. then it was managing how you come out, so social distancing, how many people in the clinic, screens up, <laughs> you know, who's having contact, clients in the waiting room versus in the consult room where you have, you know, 15 minutes face-to-face contact. And then, of course, we got back, back into in. lockdown. Oh. <laughs> um, so there was really, like, it, it was changes constantly and that was I think towards the end there was a bit of fatigue in keeping up with all those changes absolutely and I think our clients had the fatigue as well just from dealing with you know in their own personal lives and that how that manifested in the the clinic and everyone just got pretty sick of it which is understandable asking people if they've been vaccinated and then oh i'm not bloody vaccinated and it's not like you're trying to make someone angry you're just trying to comply and you know show your team that you're looking after them yes comply with all your regulations which was a bit of a hot potato at times because obviously we are here to help um, but at the same time we have to protect the team and um and we've got to follow the rules. Yeah, yeah. Rules are rules. I oh, know. Now, the other thing that we noticed <laughs> was during this whole time, there was about a was a twenty five percent increase in dog ownership. Yeah. So someone started breeding dogs pretty quickly, thinking there was going to be something on, so because there were plenty of dogs going around, and there was a massive puppy boom. Yeah, puppy after puppy after puppy. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's wonderful that it was a really good opportunity for people to be home with their puppies more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and that certainly kept us super busy. And still keeping us busy. Yeah, yeah. And mainly... You know, the the circumstances that those puppies um, and how they came into the lives of the owners created more anxiety in the puppies. Also, they weren't able to get out and socialise at things like puppy schools and um, over at friends' places and obedience and other training things. And we're certainly seeing the true effects of that now, aren't we? Yeah, there's certainly a little bit of um, post-COVID puppy anxiety in some dogs that didn't get that socialization or or didn't get have the experiences that many other dogs may have had and particularly now that we are seeing people you know not working from home so much and and those dogs who've always had someone home with them they've either had kids schooling from home or Mm -hmm. their owner's home have now heading back into the workplace and that's causing a few little a few issues. Ripples, yeah. In fact, quite a lot. I mean, almost every second person with a young-ish dog has mentioned at some stage or another in a 
in a consult that's completely unrelated yeah. about some issues. And so it's probably a good idea for another podcast idea, so yeah, it's how to get you, you know, reduce your anxiety, separation anxiety and your pets um, in the return to norm. So yeah. we should put that on the list. Put it on the list, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly that. Um, and even if they're not having the anxiety, there were questions about what do I do to prepare my dog mm. for when I go back to work? Yeah, I mean, no different than like if you're having children, how to prepare them for a baby. They're big changes, and yeah. and they need um, the due diligence it deserves. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up this chat. Yeah, it gives a pretty good insight into into what we went through, um, some of the the things that we enjoyed. I guess if you could say enjoyed. I'm smiling as as seen as saying that um, because I do, I did enjoy it. Yeah. At the time it was stressful, but overarchingly I enjoyed my connections. So yeah, good connections with the people that are closest to us within, Mm. within the practice um, and lots of licks on the face. I know. (laughs) I think that's the biggest thing. I'm just so grateful that we were able to still do what we love and see pets every day when, you know, everyone else, unfortunately, a lot of people didn't have much connection. So uh, we both feel very grateful to have had that. And, Absolutely. And I think that's why I'm smiling. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm right there with you. Well, guys, I think that wraps us up. So we'll uh, say see you later and we'll be back in touch soon. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to get to know us more, have any feedback, questions or any topics you'd like us to shoot the shit on, drop us a line. And if you've enjoyed listening, we'd appreciate you leave us a five-star review. Check out our socials and websites, drashlong.com.au and drcenacap.com.au. The website for Two Vets is coming soon, so keep an eye out. For all our Melbourneites, we'd love to see you at the Thornbury Veterinary Hospital and the Happy Dog Hub for all your veterinary grooming and wellness needs. See you later. Ciao.